and welcome to the Healthy at Cerner podcast. I'm Laura Tui, a therapist at the Innovations Clinic. And I'm Jesse Seavey, a therapist at WHQ. It is Q4, the last quarter of the year. We're nearing the end. <laughs> and we started off this year with New Year, New View. Mm-hmm. And now we're coming full circle because we're going to talk about a topic that's kind of a buzzword, I think, along with self-care. We're going to talk about burnout today, which a lot of people throw that term around pretty liberally. And a lot of people, even though we say it a lot, maybe don't have a full understanding of what it is or gets confused with other words as well. Yes, very fair. And since we are in this last quarter of the year, this is a time when this might be a little more prevalent for people than in other times of the year because there might be a lot going on. You might have a lot happening socially. Tons of stuff wraps up at work in Q4. Into the quarter, into the year. You got all the different stuff coming up. You got holidays, all the stuff. It can be, there can be a lot of stress present, which another word for stress is just life. So so things are happening around us. And we wanted to kind of unpack Using this. the DSM, it's called an adjustment disorder. You, so. could, you could, if we're going to pathologize it, yes, we are all going through some sort of adjustment at any given time. But I think for us to kind of unpack this a little bit, we might be able to give people some tools today to address burnout in this last busy quarter of the year. But I do, don't you just feel like people are like, I'm burnt out? Yeah, I just said flippantly, like, oh. This is just what it is. I'm burned out. Yeah. I woke up today and burned out. Which I think goes hand in hand with, I woke up today and burned out. That's funny. <laughs> like, I think that that burnout has kind of gone hand in hand with this whole self-care movement. Mm-hmm. Like, I need more self-care. I need that. Well, what does that even mean to you? Because it can be different for everybody. And I do think burnout can be a pretty personal thing. It can be, there are some hallmarks that we'll talk about that you should look for, but I definitely think it can be a personal thing for each person respectively. But I think along with self-care, like, I need more self-care. People are like, I am so burnt out. I'm done. I'm over it. I'm dead. I'm dead inside. I am a ghost. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because we talked about before we started recording this. We it's Halloween right now, so we were talking a lot about like different ways to make analogies of Halloween with burnout, (laughs) and it was just what a great holiday. Dark, but (laughs) it did, but also light because I felt like oh my gosh, we're breathing life into all these different analogies about burnout. We're actually naming it, calling out for what it is. (laughs) But before we go down the Beetlejuice rabbit hole, because I will start singing, I think we should kind of talk a little bit or ask some questions that might help people understand a little bit more about if you could be feeling burnt out. So let's start with some questions. So the beginning questions are examples like, do you feel like you have little or no control over your work? That's so funny. Is, Is the work that you do, is it monotonous? Or is it unchallenging like it maybe wasn't as before? Are you exhausted all the time? All caps. All the time. <laughs> Bold, italicized, Could you never, you know, you could have gotten 12 hours of restorative sleep with your sleep mask and your lavender oil and your, an Oprah meditation and it's you were tired. And you, <laughs> you're exhausted. Are you working too much uh, even without any time to socialize or relax? Do you work all the time? Is that all you do? Do you have no supportive relationships? Do you think that your work is just never enough of what you're doing? (laughs) Check, 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 (laughs) check. Do those questions resonate with you? They might resonate with you if you're listening today. I mean, I can remember being in grad school and people would say, you know, you need to be really careful about burnout. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was that like, was, flower child, social worker. I was I'm like, dead. I'm never going to get burned out. I don't even know what you're talking about. And like fast forward three years later, my hair was falling out at a desk in my office. And I was like, oh. I had stomach ulcers. Burn, <laughs> burnout is real. It's a real thing. 
And I think that's when it kind of challenged me to explore what burnout meant for me because that's when I think the first time I realized that it was real yeah. when I was confronted with really like physical symptoms, which can be, we'll talk about that more later, but for some people that can be a real hallmark of burnout too. Absolutely. So we're here to tell you, one, you're not alone. Mm-mm. We sit with you in this and we are also on a journey of finding self-care and preventing burnout. We've also definitely... both experience burnout ourselves, and that's a continuum. So Mm -hmm. you might find yourself at one end of the spectrum or another at any given time, and it can happen more than once. This isn't like the chicken pox. You can get, it can happen again. Yeah. Yeah. I wish it was kind of, but it's not. So such is life. Things keep happening. Life comes at you fast. Right. (laughs) So we've asked some pretty pointed questions that may seem pretty assertive, but actually they were probably really resonated with a lot of people listening today. But why don't we, what is burnout exactly? So burnout is a reaction to any type of prolonged chronic stress that's characterized in three different dimensions. And those three dimensions are exhaustion, cynicism, and basically just these feelings of any type of reduced professional ability. Those are kind of the big three buckets of how burnout can can show up. But, I mean, if we're really trying to boil this down into, you know, simplifying it, right? Because that's what we're all about doing. Mm -hmm. It's you feel exhausted. Tired. <laughs> I'm just, tired. You feel exhausted. You start to kind of hate your job, mm-hmm. and you really just begin to feel less capable at work. So you're super tired. Like, the fatigue is overwhelming. You feel it in your teeth, kind of. But there's exhausted. also this component of cynicism. So can we look at that a little bit? That is a huge point right there. Let's spend some time on that. So this cynicism is just, like, this overall, like, ugh, like, this is just the worst. Reactivity. I hate this. Like, I'm just angry, I'm mad, like, I'm just, I have a lot of words right now in my head that I can't say on the podcast, but if you could read them, that would be a great explanation. I see him, y'all. I see him on his face, and I'm Cynicism might be. I'm just, I'm super just upset and and pissed off. Your glass is not half empty. You have thrown the glass at a brick wall, and that didn't even feel good enough. Right, right. Just everything now is viewed from this level of kind of sarcasm. And in a way, I think that feels like a filter or a lens that you're looking at things through. You know, it's the way you experience that. And like a cynicism that is derived from the idea that everything is negative. Or, I mean, it's really like your well has been dried out, right? So you don't have anything left to give. And when you feel that way, it's kind of like you really are having, you might be sitting at your desk and you might be having that fantasy of like, I'm just going to office space my printer and my, wherever that is, and your device. I'm going to run it over with my car. I'm going to drive away out of my parking spot and I'm going to blow through the gate. Right. Like, you know, like watch the pieces of the gate in your rear view mirror as they fly over your car. Perfect example. I love it. Office Space is actually a great movie reference. I hope we're not aging ourselves with our Office Space references, but Office Space might be a good thing for people to kind of reference if you're thinking about. And with that kind of cynicism and that sarcasm, that's it kind of goes into that place of it, then it impacts your work. Because now you get to that point where you're saying stuff like, well, what's the point? Who cares? Like, does this really matter? Does this really make a difference? Like, Do I I really matter? Do do I really matter? So it can go both kind of to your work environment as well as to yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's why we really got to look at when that cynicism, which is a huge piece of what we're kind of talking about right now, we got to make sure that we're recognizing how that piece plays a part into how that can impact the way you work and your outcomes and everything else that comes with it. And because you're feeling so reactive, right, you start to feel less capable. And when you start to feel less capable, you develop less attachment in what you're doing, less attachment to the community that you're producing work with. And ultimately, you're starting to feel less 
able to do the things that you want to do at work. Now, for some of us, that might be systemic. Like you feel like I can't do what I want to do in the system or I can't do what I want to do in my role. But overall, you'll notice that there's like this, this worldview or the way you're looking at things starts to creep in all these different areas for you. And ultimately, like we spend a lot of time at work. A lot. a lot. And especially with today's technology, you probably have your email on your phone. We, we recommend against that. but um, You're constantly You're constantly connected. connected. And I think in that way, it kind of starts to feel all-encompassing. So burnout can really leave you feeling exhausted. And I'm talking about the exhausted where you might come to see us and we're like, how much are you sleeping? And you might be sleeping nine hours a night, but you still feel super tired. Or you might have disruption in your sleep. But you are tired all the time. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of like feel it in your bones, fatigue, empty, because you're not necessarily experiencing like a... Any type of joy or any other type of emotion besides just like anger and ugh. (laughs) That's basically what what your experience is in life at that moment. A lot of times people will come with um, feelings of numbness, Mm -hmm. so they'll often relate that they feel nothing. Right? Mm-hmm. I just go to work. I do what I need to do. I might participate in this potluck. I might not. But a, a feeling of numbness or, or emptiness that comes from resignation, right? Where you are like, there's nothing I can do about this. This is just where I'm at right now. Or there's nothing. I'm never going to be a change here. Or I'm never going to be able to change how I feel about it or look at my the work or things like big, that. too big, so who cares? What's the point? Yeah. And ultimately, that leads us to a place where we're unable to cope with the demands of life, right? Life does require. We think we're here to tell you life is joyful, wonderful, restorative, all those things. It can be. It can be. But also life comes with a lot of stressors that we have to cope with, right, Um, through different behaviors and skills that we develop over time. So in that way, I think that sometimes burnout can lead us to a place where we're unable to cope with it. But, but, all caps, burnout is not the same as stress. Very different. Very different. Can and you I, help me yeah, that, understand that more? Because I feel so, like sometimes we look at the things of like, I'm so stressed, I'm really burnt out. Like, I think they go hand in hand. Yeah. I'm so stressed, I'm really burnt out. I need self-care. <laughs> right. <laughs> in the same sentence, right? in the same breath. Yeah. So stress is where it's basically involving way too much. Like life just feels too too many pressures, too many demands, that everything is just all of a sudden too much physically and just mentally. It's like you're just drowning in all these responsibilities, whether it be at work, from your manager, from your kids, or your partner, or friends, or family, or anything like that. You've got all these people pulling you in all these different directions. That's kind of what stress feels like. However, the difference between stress and burnout is when we're feeling stressed, we still can imagine that we're able to kind of get a sense of control. That you can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. So, you know, maybe that looks like I end up uh, managing my my schedule differently. I can, you know, plan for time to look at how I'm going to accomplish these goals. So I might feel really overwhelmed or I might be pulled in all these different directions. But I'm still able to see like, okay, if I can maybe, you know, have this thing done. I can have this person help me. I can manage my stress. So it's way more acute. Mm -hmm. That's stress where burnout is much more different where... You are basically just feeling like nothing is ever going to be enough. That even if you were to delegate or find help, nothing's really going to change. So it would be just this ongoing feeling. Kind of like burnout is you're dried up, like you're like the desert. Yeah, yeah, Like stress might be the middle of summer, but you see that the seasons are going to change. Right. Maybe the hallmark of the difference between stress and burnout would be hope. 
Mm-hmm. So when we're when we're stressed, we're like, I am so stressed, I can't do this, but I'm going to make this list, I'm going to knock things off, I'm going to be able to get through it. You can kind of see to the other side. Right. Maybe burnout is a little more terminal. Burnout feels a little more, more terminal. hopeless. Yeah, because if you're kind of using that pool analogy, stress is like, I'm, I'm drowning, so someone throw me a raft so I can survive. Um, whereas burnout, like you said, is like, I'm in this pool that has no water and I cannot get out. Like I am in the 10 foot zone and there's nothing to help me get to a different place. There's no water in there. Which totally makes sense. But I think the difference between stress and burnout is really nuanced in a lot of ways. So we can kind of start to look at it from a place of, I think we are acutely sometimes aware of stress. I am stressed. I feel stressed. Absolutely. But I think about myself and I think about when I was sitting at my desk and like pulled out a handful of hair on accident. I don't think I realized that that was happening. Mm. I think sometimes you don't really realize burnout as it's happening, and sometimes that's why you're there. Yeah, yeah. That's th- that. That's the thing is that burnout is can so easily kind of creep up on you, and it just can easily kind of gradually come into this place where stress can happen just like that. And I think sometimes you can say, I am so stressed. It's it's like creates that kind of surge of cortisol or hormonal surge that kind of makes you go into that fight or flight place of stress. And it's not always like that. But I do think burnout is so sneaky. Mm. True burnout. And we're not talking about it as a, as, as a buzzword, right? Like I'm so stressed or I'm so burnt out in, in the way that we use it in a colloquial sense. I'm talking about it like true burnout that represents kind of this cynicism, this lack of hope, mm-hmm. I think really sneaks up on you. Because I can tell you like during that time, I was cynical, right? But I wasn't necessarily, I also think it represents a lack of energy. Like I didn't really have the energy to make a big change until I was like, oh, this is having catastrophic he- effects on my health. Yeah. It's kind of that feeling of hopelessness in mm-hmm. a situation where I feel like I can't just do anything at all. I feel stuck. Well, how did I get there? Let's do some therapy on myself, I guess. What causes burnout? So what causes burnout is just like you're saying, it's a gradual kind of process. You know, obviously it doesn't happen overnight or anything like that, but it's basically getting to a point where a lot of the things that you're doing, whether it be at work or home or anything like that, it comes from this place of not feeling appreciated. Maybe the role that you have in work doesn't fit for you, so there's conflict there. Maybe the work you are doing is completely overloading you. Like you are just way beyond what you can even hold or handle. And there's just an overall just lack of predictability and clear expectations and what is happening for you or what's needed from you. That's kind of what causes the burnout. Well, that deeply resonated with me. (laughs) It's true. It is really gradual. And I think it's like sometimes a leak, right, that starts to Mm -hmm. leach out like water in your glass or whatever. And then eventually you kind of are in a place where there might be these little chips that kind of take away from how you're feeling with stuff. And then ultimately, like, you're in a place where I think a lot of people, if you're truly burnt out, you, you're you like, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. And now that I'm here, now I feel stuck. And for a lot of us, oh, wow, a lot of us type A, over-functioning, anxiety, perfectionist people, burnout can often start from a place of productivity, can start from a place of I want to do the best I can. I can take it all on. What do you mean? It's not a big deal. I can do this. Yeah, I can be that person on the team that gets it all done, or I can be the person on the team who quells everybody else's anxiety by over-functioning myself and doing more or doing more than my share or or working outside the lines. I can make lunches. I can do everything. I can do everyone's laundry. I can Mm -hmm. get the house clean. I can do all... All these different things that are required of me, I feel like I can do anything and everything. 
but it's having an impact you on how much you're taking on mm-hmm. and the views that you have from it. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, too, because I think that that's, like, different than stress, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that represents a place where you truly, there is an absence, you know? Like, there's mm-hmm. an absence of caring for yourself or just a, maybe an absence of self-awareness about what you need. And then that can lead us to a place where we're kind of all of these things that you mentioned, like feeling like you're not adequate or don't feel like your efforts are appreciated or have role conflict, work overload, or lack of expectations, all takes us to a place where I think then we really are starting to not necessarily see the good parts of our day-to-day. And we start to see like, oh, I'm being used. I'm being taken advantage advantage of. of. No one appreciates me. No one sees me. Yeah. I don't feel like I count or matter. Mm Mm-hmm. Those are the big things of how you know that it's causing this burnout. Is that how it that's starts? Co- well, that's how what, what causes it. Okay. So how, how it starts is that you're feeling overwhelmed. You're basically emotionally drained. From that, you're not able to meet those constant demands, whether it be that someone else is putting on you or even you are putting on yourself. And as that kind of... If you think about it, as a cycle begins, that stress continues, and then from there you just start to lose interest and motivation in, in what you're even doing in your role in the first place. So it's just constant, unrelenting stress that you just experience where you don't have any type of positive outcome from it. Okay, so burnout is really the result of unmanaged, unrelenting stress. That's right. what we're saying. And I think we're talking about it in a way that sounds kind of overwhelming, but guess what? We have hope. Yeah. We've got stuff to share that's going to help you exit sooner on the highway of burnout. You might be in stress town. You might be on the express to burnout town. We're going to teach you how to get off. And here are some exit signs (laughs) to help, right? (laughs) But first, we have to identify some common signs and symptoms of burnout. I know we've mentioned it a little Mm -hmm. bit, but I really think we should kind of drill down a little bit more so people can understand what this would look like in their day-to-day. Yeah, so how do you know you're experiencing burnout? Okay. One of the big things would be that you notice that you start to withdraw from work-related activities. So because of that uh, stress and that frustration, you just start to distance yourself from other people, and you just start to go numb around other people. You start to go numb about your work. So you just kind of overall have this place of not caring towards your work and the people around you. And you might get feedback about that, right? Mm-hmm. So someone might be like, oh, Laura, like typically you would really respond to that invite a lot sooner or, you know, maybe people have to follow up multiple times on certain things and maybe starting to develop a little bit of... Some of this involves some mindfulness, you know, starting to understand your own patterns and habits and being able to take inventory of those as they might ebb and flow or change over time, but definitely withdrawing or like just don't care, right? Like I don't care. I'm not responding to that email. My response doesn't matter anyway. Your deadlines, maybe you were motivated to get those done and that's where that stress can be a positive thing, right, to help create that change. But the burnout, you see a deadline, you're like, "Mm, don't care. Like, do not care that I just missed that deadline. I don't have that passion or energy around it. You might withdraw from a lot of personal activities. Like maybe previously you really enjoyed your Tuesday night softball league and maybe all of a sudden you're too tired to go or you just don't want to, you want to sit in a dark room and not talk to anybody. You know, like maybe on the weekends you used to be more connected like with your partner or with your family and maybe you just don't feel like doing anything. Maybe you just want to Netflix and nothing. You know, and that's it. Yeah. You stop going to family events. Just like you said, you're not involved in your community. All the things that you had passion and energy around, now you just feel like I have nothing to give to that thing anymore at all. And so also, too, I mean, what's interesting about that, and I think this is a whole different like vein of this, is that, you know, burnout, like 
in its term, right, does include a lot of symptoms that we address in therapy in terms of psychological stressors, things that are coming up. A lot of these things sound very akin to what we experience when we're depressed. So if we're not finding fulfillment or joy in the things that are happening in our lives, I think that they can often result in uh, being an environmental stressor or trigger for us to have much more acute mood disruption. So that's something we look at too. And that goes right in just to the physical symptoms of burnout. Oh my gosh. That's I Talk mean, about my hair it, again. Let's <laughs> talk about my stomach ulcers. <laughs> so <laughs> headaches. Pack, I like should have bought stock in oh, that. Oh, <laughs> I ate so many Tums. And I was just like, oh, I'm just eating Tums. Right. Like not normal. Like was not normal. This so, is a meal replacement. <laughs> Did you eat lunch? No. What are you talking about? Like, I haven't eaten since yesterday. I had Tums. So it can lead to physical symptoms like headaches or stomach aches, muscle twitching, soreness, frequent illnesses. Are you sick from November to May? Right. Yeah. And when I get sick, that it takes so much longer to be able to recover from it because our immune system really starts to decrease Mm -hmm. and shut down because Mm -hmm. of the burnout. Your body doesn't lie. Mm -mm. Right. Not at all. So change of appetite. Maybe you have, maybe you are have noticing an increase or decrease in your appetite, and the same with sleep, a decrease, disruption, or increase in your sleep. So these are things that we really look at that are physical hallmarks of of burnout and what you could be experiencing. And your body does. Your body does. I'm not. I said it. I just said it two seconds ago. But your body it's does true. not lie. It does not. Yeah. Our words can, but our body doesn't. I'm like everything's fine. I just need a new ponytail holder. <laughs> you know? No. That's not what it was. So there's also emotional symptoms or emotional exhaustion. We've talked Mm -hmm. a little bit about that. You feel drained or unable to cope. Like, just can't do life. Like, life feels like too much. You know, I can't cope with the things that are coming. I feel like I'm at my breaking point is a lot of, I hear that a lot. There's nothing left in me. Yeah. My tank is empty. It's on fumes. I'm rolled up on the side of the road. That's that's the whole emotional exhaustion piece. A lack of energy. To get things done. You know, I think sometimes, like, we might not want to do stuff, which is, like, a lot of sure. stuff, right? Like, I might not want to clean out my gutters. Right. <laughs> but I might be like, okay, if I don't clean out my gutters, they might fill with leaves and fall off the side of my house, and then I have to uh, pay to get that. Yeah, so I know that I have to do it. It might not be what I want to do. But if maybe I was experiencing, like, this fundamental lack of energy, I might be like, I don't care. The gutters can fall off my house. Don't care. Yeah, whatever. So these all, all these things, like I just mentioned before, like, a lot of these things are just a hotbed of symptoms that depression can kind of develop in and become more acute. So these are reasons why we really want to be, we want to get off the exit sooner. And that goes into the whole piece around our our performance, whether it be at work or home or anywhere else in our life, where basically our involvement and how we care for people just significantly decreases Mm -hmm. and that we just feel negative about all the things that we are doing. So whether it be doing the the job at work or stuff at home or being with people that you just are focused on only the the negative aspects of the things that are around you. And that can cause difficulty in how you think and concentration, and it can lead just overall just to a lack of creativity. Yeah. A lot of times, I think I'm glad that you mentioned the difficulty concentrating piece Mm because a lot of times people will be, will come into therapy or we'll talk about how people are feeling and they'll just say, I just can't focus. I think I have, I think I have ADD. And we'll be like, well, do we have a lot of other stressors and things that are happening around that? Right. Yeah. So I know that a lot of our our chat up to this point has been work-focused because I think that that's a context that helps us understand the paradox that we're talking about. However, we want you to know that burnout can be present in any area of your life and can be triggered by anything. Caring for a parent. Oh, caregiving, that's such a great one. Caregiving, maybe you're a stay-at-home parent with a toddler. Yeah. I have a toddler. That's real life. Wow. 
it's a lot, mm-hmm. right? So maybe there's some changes that are happening around you or some things that you're going through. Maybe you're experiencing some issues with fertility. Maybe there's some things that you're experiencing in terms of like changes in your relationship or changes with a partner. So we want you to know, not to overwhelm you with the idea that like burnout's a landmine that you can walk on at any time, but it can be present in various areas of your life. And we just want you to be mindful of that as we're on our stress to burnout town highway. Right. So you can be mindful of it. You can just be mindful of it. So we want to foster a curiosity. I think when you foster curiosity about the way you're feeling, you remove judgment and shame from how you're feeling. So why do I feel this way? Curating curiosity allows you to kind of just be wonder why you're feeling that way instead of I shouldn't be feeling this way. Mm -hmm. Why do I, oh, I feel this way again. Like what's going on? All of that. How did I get here? Yeah. Reducing all that guilt and shame of that kind of sometimes comes across when we are experiencing a low mood or things like that. What choices do I have? I mean, just trying to expand and open up with questions as opposed to just like you're saying, the whole guilt and shame piece. Yeah, just be nice to yourself. Mm. Life is hard sometimes. Life is great, beautiful, etc. It can also be really difficult. Be kind to yourself, you know, kind of finding that place to really start to open yourself up to a place of self-compassion, which is going to lead us into another place of kind of how we prevent and treat burnout. Because guess what? This is a preventable condition. It is. It is not permanent. It's reversible. It is. And, you know, we can be in a place in our life, whether it be at work or home or anything like that, where absolutely it is high stress. But the thing is, is we can also minimize the impacts around it so that we can have these exit strategies so that we can start to prevent possible burnout coming our way. And I think, you know, not to get too meta, as we go into, we're going to go into some real to some really specific things in terms of prevention that I think is really going to allow people to add to their toolkit of ways that they can manage stress and manage burnout and manage life. But I really think that we are going to encounter stress in our life. We are. You might have a really high stress job. You might have a really high stress season in your personal life. It doesn't always have to lead to that place. It don't, doesn't always have to go to that same destination. And I think people are inherently resilient. We're able to manage a lot, and you can manage stress, and you are capable of much more than you realize. And you're talking about resiliency, mm-hmm. being able to do that and see ways where you have been able to, you know, work through situations and use that narrative as a motivating place to do something different for yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening to this now, I think you can probably reference points in your life where you have survived, not only survived, but thrived in areas of stress. And maybe you didn't think you were capable of it. So if you're really feeling like you're in a place of like, oh, this burnout is this is really resonating with me, you know? I think using your experiences of resilience as a touchstone to inform the way you look at things in the future can also help you gain back a little bit of that hope that maybe has been missing recently. So why don't we go into some of these specific prevention things that we can add to our toolkit? So in the context of work and home, I mean, I think it's so important for us just to first address, please talk to your manager or talk to your partner about any other things that are going on in your life, these issues that you're really starting to see and experience so that you can start a conversation around how to just have a healthier expectation of what's going on in your life for the tasks that is involved in what you're trying to accomplish. So start with the manager, start with your partner, just to kind of talk about what are some realistic, healthy expectations for Mm -hmm. what's going on. I mean, I know we love to talk. 
right? <laughs> That's what we do. I mean, primarily as therapists, we listen, but like we also embrace communication as a tool that we can use to man- to go through life. And I think it's interesting because I, I know for a lot of people, the idea of releasing or talking about things creates a lot of fear because when we talk about something, we put it out into the world. And when we put something out into the world, we kind of have to deal with it. And sometimes you just don't want to deal with it. But I think communicating around some of these things can really allow people. People don't know sometimes what we need unless we ask for it. People don't, maybe don't, maybe your manager doesn't know you're struggling with with a project because you've never said anything. Maybe your partner doesn't know that you don't love making gluten free, made from scratch cupcakes every day at six o'clock in the morning before your kid has to take them to school. Maybe you just want to buy the cupcakes. You know, I don't know. There's a difference. But people sometimes don't know unless we communicate around it. And we also can't perform to expectations unless we're able to breathe onto those two. And that's what you need to know as yourself is what what are my needs? Because how can I communicate what I need if I don't know what I need? So exploring with that curiosity. So what are my needs? And then how do I communicate around those needs to people, to key players in my life who are important in that area? Because that, that exit strategy that we're talking about right now, that gives you the ability to actually use your voice in a way to create space for something to be different. You're naming it instead of just internalizing it. So you're talking about it. And you are worth that change and you are worth that space. So creating that space for yourself through communication, through exploring what your own needs are, will allow you to find that place where you're able to really say, I, I deserve this and it's okay that I need this. And that can also lead to another place of where maybe what we end up doing is we have to kind of maybe adjust or shift or change or be flexible in the roles that we have, right? I just smiled. (laughs) I just smiled. You said flexible. (laughs) So, So we might have to look at, okay, so maybe I've been in this role for, you know, a couple of years and I'm getting burned out. So maybe do I need to start to look at what what other options are available? Or let's say I am, you know, a, a stay-at-home parent. So what other things can I look at for myself of do I want to stay home and or do I need to go work somewhere else part-time and stay at home? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like just trying to find different ways that maybe what has to happen is your role has to change a bit. It doesn't need to extremely change. It can, but just looking at small ways to change the role in your life to feel like you've got a little bit of control to manage some of this burnout coming up. And I think that's a good point because, I mean, that can be a simple, I think, ordering your groceries online and going Mm -hmm. to pick them up instead of going in. Like, I used to find going to the grocery store to be a really relaxing experience, and now I have a Mm two-year-old, and... I would rather run out of the store, right? right? Not all the time. She's great. But I think sometimes thinking about how can I elite, and does that really stress me out for the rest of the night, or how does that feed into how I'm feeling? Because I think sometimes the, the solutions to these problems don't have to be huge. Right. We're not saying you need to relocate to a different region, and no, you need to find yeah. a different vocation, or no. you need to go do whatever. Sometimes the, the changes that we make, especially in terms of alleviating chronic stress, can be pretty nuanced. You know, Sometimes they can be as simple as owning it. Like, this is a stressor for me. I just don't like this part of it, you know, and then figuring out ways to kind of outsource that or talk about that with your partner or talk about that with your manager or talk about that with a friend and kind of find ways to distribute that somewhere else is good too. Those are all good things. And then what we want to look at next is really start to look at kind of what are some helpful self-care strategies to manage 
this burnout type of stress that's coming your way. So you and I have said this multiple times on multiple podcasts. We say this all the time in our therapy room. You always want to first do these first three things to address eat, sleep, exercise. Mm -hmm. You've got to have those three things in place to make sure that you are managing the potential burnout that could be coming your way. And I know sometimes when we mention those, it's like womp. (laughs) You know, it's kind of the same. It really does make a huge difference. I know. It's kind of the same thing as if we're like, ask the question, do you journal? (laughs) You know, there's things that we ask that sometimes people either bite on or don't. And I think that those those things are things that people typically are like, but it's shocking. You know, like sleep is like one of the most powerful ways that we have to manage our mood patterns. Our circadian patterns deeply impact our like our moods. And so being able to get regular sleep, we're going to ask you, are you sleeping regularly? And if you're not, we're going to ask you to adopt a regular sleep pattern even on the weekends, you know, limiting your screen time, not necessarily playing a ton of video games, not watching a four-hour documentary before you drift off to sleep. You know, these are things that we're going to ask you to do, ask you to wake up and go to sleep at ballpark the same time, you know exercising. We're not saying you have to flip a tire in the parking lot. Like it doesn't have to be super extreme, but are you walking? Are you getting up from your desk? Are you taking some time when your child is napping during the day to do what you need to do and maybe do an exercise tape, whatever it might be. Eating a healthy diet. We're also reasonable about this because we love cookies. So we understand. Love Diet Coke. So eating a a healthy, realistic diet, these things will also help you. You know, we we know things like sugar can really impact your mood patterns and impact how you're feeling. And so we're going to try to control those variables together. And those are some of the, you know, those basic needs are what we really look at when we first start talking to people. And then once we have those things in place, that's when we start to look at taking some some PTO as as temporary relief. And I really want to make sure that we, you know, stress this just for a moment that taking PTO can be helpful. Please take the break. If, if you have the PTO, please take it. But we also have to make sure that we know that just taking that PTO doesn't mean that you come back and all of a sudden now everything is perfect in your life and it's sunshine and roses. PTO is a great band-aid to a situation to help you deal with the burnout. So please take the PTO very loud and clear. Take I it, love take that it, we're take it, about PTO. right? And just have a healthy, realistic expectation around what you believe the PTO is going to serve for you. If you are working on your PTO the entire time, it is not PTO. You are still working. Yeah. Or if you're taking PTO to, like, build a deck, like, in the back of your house. Like, I mean, unless you really enjoy woodworking and it's, like, your thing. You know, I think you have to be realistic about it. Because a lot of times when we talk to people, too, it's like, well, when's the last time you took a day off? Mm -hmm. I said that so fast because I was excited to get it out. But, (laughs) I mean, a lot of people will say, oh, I haven't taken a day off in six months. And it's like, well, yeah. That's that's something that we're going to talk about. You know, and something we do on our team is we look, you know, Jesse and I look at our PTO six months at a time. Like we try to really start to look at planned breaks and planned time away. And I think that that can really help to start to really look at your year. I mean, we know things come up and... Sure, life flexible. Yeah, yeah, but really starting to say, like, okay, I like to take off some time at the end of the year. I like to take off some time in the summer. Like, those are two times that I like to take off some time. And really, you know, planning around that and making sure you're kind of rationing that PTO for that um, is, is a good way, I think, to look forward and have that be part of, like, your self-care practice. Yeah. But I also think, you know, I really encourage people to schedule breaks from work in terms of just getting up from your desk or walking away from your desk if you have a standing desk. Every, you know, 40-some minutes, Mm -hmm. taking a five-minute walk, being able just to get away from that space, just to have a renewal of your mind, a new change in scenery. And you can be, if your thing is, if you want to dive into a subreddit. Go for it. A positive one. You know, why not? Just take a look at those kind of things and give yourself a break to really 
you know, we are incredibly tethered to our screens here. And I think giving yourself an opportunity to just look up and like look at something different is important. And even just being tethered to our couch at home, you know, being able to get out and go for a walk, Mm -hmm. go to a park, go to a store. I don't care where you go, but just get out of the house so that you can have that change for yourself. That can help you manage some of those symptoms we've talked about today. And some of those things I think in therapy too, we're going to require you to do things Mm -hmm. like you sometimes Mm -hmm. I mean you might not feel like taking a walk but we're going to encourage you to take a walk sometimes you know discipline sometimes allows us freedom from some of the things that might be negative in our lives and starting to cultivate an area of discipline in order to say I don't really want to do this today but I know that ultimately this is like part of my regimen of self-care and it's helpful for me and I know it prevents me from going to burnout town yeah so metaphorically, even kind of thinking about it this way, too. Are we on the highway? Care of our, we're, we're on the highway. Okay. So if I got to go to the bathroom, right, and, and I have that need, I have this feeling of I've, I've a got biological it. need. I have a biological need that needs to be taken care of, and I see that there is an exit sign. If I don't get off on that exit sign to take care of that need, that is going to impact me. And it's going to be annoying and frustrating that, yeah, I want to hurry up and get to that destination, but I have to pull off and take care of that need. But my other option is I end up going to the bathroom in my pants, and that doesn't feel good, right? So Long-term, the outcome from that long, might be more catastrophic than right. if you pulled off the side of so, the road. So it might be annoying to have to kind of, you know, take take the break, take the walk or whatever, but it is far more helpful than just trying to push through, believing that it's just... I just need to focus on getting this thing done. And you need that time and space to to pull off and take care of that need so you can come back and get back into work. I mean, I think that's a great analogy in terms of our highway. And two, I think you have to think about some of these things like money in the bank. Sometimes you're not going to be able to spend that right away. But if you do these things to insulate yourself and create some protective factors around you, I want you to think about all these things as like the bubble wrap that's going to help you address life. You know, That way, when we're at the end of Q4 and stuff is really going left, and you have four holiday parties, two kid parties, a flat tire, and it's snowing, you know, then you've done the stuff that you're able to do to kind of insulate yourself against some of these things that pummel you instead of being out in, you know, the snow in your bathing suit. (laughs) You know, I know we're really heavy on the analogies today, but I think it's a good one for us to kind of curate ones about because it is kind of nebulous. Burnout, I think, since we're saying that you don't really recognize when it's happening, it hopefully some of these, you. hopefully the bevy of analogies we're creating around this today will help you kind of cue into what that looks like for you. But also, too, I think in that vein, mindfulness and meditation, this also goes along with like, do you journal? When I ask people this in session, sometimes it'll be like, ugh. What? Mindfulness and meditation does not have to be some sort of like two-hour silent session where you are really plugging in with your subconscious. Mindfulness and meditation can be something that you do for 30 seconds where you're able – there's tons and tons and tons of good apps. We have mindful minutes, which you can plug into and listen to while you're at work or wherever and kind of give yourself a break to either do a guided meditation or just taking some time in silence to kind of connect with the here and now. Giving yourself that permission. Yes. We want to give you that permission. Take it. I wish me – past me, hair falling at me, would have like meditated a little bit or just connected with some mindfulness. Because when we were talking earlier about exploring and fostering curiosity around your own needs, mindfulness and meditation can allow you a pathway to those, to explore those things. And that can look totally different for everybody. Oh my gosh. For sure. A lot of my mindfulness comes from just listening to music. Absolutely. So it could could look like anything. Mm -hmm. 
And the last thing on our list, which also can kind of be kind of obnoxious for some people sometimes, is we want to minimize alcohol and caffeine intake. And we know in the last quarter of the year this can be difficult. But also, like, maybe don't have a pot of coffee in the morning or do half decaf, half regular. You know, finding that. Moderating your alcohol intake. It's a depressant. We know that it can trigger a lot of difficult feelings. I mean, these are just things that can can exacerbate mood patterns that are also already not very comfortable. So we want you to maybe deter from them and really moderate your use in a way that feels mindful. Yeah, so these are all ways to help prevent yourself from having burnout happen. Now let's look at if burnout is happening, how do we treat it? What do we end up doing? If you find yourself in burnout town. Right. No matter what we've done, no matter what exits we've tried to take, we found ourselves in burnout town, which is, it happens. It, it, it has happen. happened to both of us more than once. And it's okay. Yeah, and it's reversible. So we're going to get, we've looked at those things. So now look, let's look at what we can do to treat this. So we do want to communicate. We love communicating. Talk about how you're feeling. So finding that positive support person in your life where you can talk face to face and have a good listener is a really fast way to calm your nervous system and relieve stress. And that person that you talk to, they don't need to solve your problem. They just need to listen to you. To be able to accept and validate and hold on to whatever it is that you're saying. Really to be able to just create space to have your voice be heard and accepted. That is such a huge part of when we are experiencing burnout. Just like we were saying earlier, to be able to use our voice and name it and claim it so that we can put it out there and mm-hmm. have someone just support us along the way. It can go such a huge huge far piece in in recovering from this. We naturally don't want to do life alone. We want social supports. We want positive people in our life. We want to stay connected to others. And I think allowing yourself to use the social supports that you've probably worked really hard to foster and curate in your life when you need them. I mean, it's a dynamic experience in life that we're able to do is to provide support and listening to another person, you know? And so allow yourself to enrich those relationships through that vulnerability. Mm. I love vulnerability been like the theme of 2019. It really, truly has. (laughs) So, and also with that in mind, so we just talked about like accessing and finding that crew of group of people in your life who are really positive. Limit your contact with negative people. I call them negatrons. Right. Because there are people in our lives that are super negative all day, all the time, 365, 24-7. For real. And that significantly impacts burnout for you. Because you're hanging out with people that have that negative mood and outlook, and that can just rub off on you. And then that really starts to impact the way that you view yourself and the work and others around you as well. This plugs into Boundaries, which if you haven't listened to our Boundaries podcast, we love Boundaries. So check that out. It's on SoundCloud. But with that in mind, though, negative people drag down your mood and outlook. It is going to be really hard to see see the world through the rose-colored glasses that you want to when someone is complaining constantly around you. If you work with someone who's very negative, Negative, maybe trying to limit some of the time that you spend with them. Maybe there's someone at your playgroup who is negative all the time. Maybe just distancing yourself from that and limiting the amount of time you're spending to each, with each other. Limiting your exposure. Huge piece. It's a big part of how we're able to cope with the things that might come about as a result of being around those negative. I mean, you you know, that's a vibe. Oh, yeah. That yeah, is a vibe. You can tell. You, yeah. you, can, you can catch those vibes. <laughs> Easily. So kind of finding those boundaries and space is really important, too. Also, we want to encourage you to really access that why. Mm -hmm. Try to find some value in your work. Like any continuum in your life, your work is also a continuum. There might be times where you feel super jazzed 
and into it. And there may be times where you feel more depleted. And this goes into every type of job, paid or unpaid. So even if that's mm-hmm. super mundane, you can often focus on how your role is helping other people, what you're doing with the community around you, what is helping you feel attached to that community, focusing on those aspects that you really just enjoy, even if it's just chatting and kind of like joking around at lunch or finding those positive people in your playgroup to talk about how your kid bit you in Target and laughing right. about it. Right. You know? Trying to, yeah, just find some type of deeper meaning or purpose in in those mundane tasks. Like even if it is, you know, changing a diaper. I mean, yes, it is very difficult to find pleasure in that. Yeah. But also knowing, too, to be able to reframe that, looking at it as, okay, I'm taking care of this need. This is something that I am doing, and I can find purpose in this task because it brings a sense of maybe satisfaction. I don't know about it. I never enjoyed. <laughs> I never got satisfied from changing my kids' diapers. But you're but caregiving. It, and but yeah, but it allowed me to really kind of see for myself, like, okay, like this is what— being a caring parent is about is doing you know these these things that are helpful and yes my child my infant did not say thank you after I changed the diaper, but I knew that I was doing something for them that was helpful and meaningful for them, and that was helpful for me. Yeah, and I think that that's a really powerful way to think about it because if you change your attitude, you're able to regain a sense of purpose and control mm-hmm. over what you're doing. And I'm here to tell you, and you're here to tell us, right, that you get to choose your attitude. Like when you wake up in the morning and you have like just look at the day with some shade, you don't have to do that. You get to choose your attitude. So really taking some time to think about what do I find value in around my life? Where is my purpose? Where is that? You'll naturally find a sense Mm -hmm. of control that kind of comes back if you are able to access your why. So we really want to encourage you to do that as well. And every area of your life, that can be friendships or whatever. Uh, Work, anything. And so, yeah. And, I mean, that plugs into our last kind of way to treat this is really finding that balance in your life. And we don't say that in a way where we don't know that that's not a moving target because it totally is. It shifts all the time. It totally is. (laughs) Work-life integration, all those things can help us to kind of find meaning and satisfaction in other parts of our life. Um, Family, friends, hobbies, volunteer work, your spiritual side. Yeah. Whatever it might be. And the, and what I love about what you're saying with that is even if, you know, you are maybe in a job that you're struggling with or a role and you're waiting for change to happen, maybe you have some type of symptoms of burnout trying to be able to find a different part in your life like your spiritual side or your family side that you have energy around so that you can focus on that level of control, trying to be able to find some meaning and purpose in other areas instead of trying to find purpose in this one area. We might have to be flexible and look at these different areas to find that satisfaction. Spread the love. Spread it. Spread it in every area of your life. (laughs) And, you know, this is also seeking out a mental health professional. Mm -hmm. That's always key. We love talking about this stuff. Yeah. Talk about every day. And if you don't necessarily have that kind of non-judgmental or person in your life who you feel like can really listen attentively, seeing a therapist can be such a great place Mm -hmm. to process and Mm -hmm. talk through some of these things and kind of reclaim some of that balance that you might have been missing. And find more of that purpose and value in your life that maybe you forgot or let go of and to reconnect with that. So as two people who are recovering from burnout and might experience burnout in the future, we hope we've given you some ways to identify this in your area, give you some strategies to manage this, and also some ways to treat it if you do find yourself in burnout town. 